Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. All right, we're talking about living a full and blessed life. Living a full and blessed life. This is the last message in the book of Proverbs as I'll be going on to a different series for the rest of the summer that I've been uh, anticipating and working hard on, and I think you'll enjoy this next series also. But this is the last message in the book of Proverbs series, which I've also enjoyed very much. How many have enjoyed the Proverbs series? Uh, really got something practical, livable, the Word of God in, in kind of a different angle, but it's, it's just... Uh, it's important for us to stop once in a while and just look at these very basic good things out of the book of Proverbs. Live in a full and blessed life. Yes, I choose. Will you say out loud, yes, I choose? Yes. Okay, so you're choosing a blessed life. I'm going to pull together what Proverbs says about a blessed life. I want you to put down Deuteronomy 33:23, And if you have your Bible and mark it real quickly, that would be fantastic. In Deuteronomy 33:23, we have a word given to the tribe of Naphtali. Some say Naphtali, but it's actually pronounced Naphtali. And this particular tribe, a word was given that describes their future. And I want to give this word to you. I want you to put your name in place of the tribe. Would you do that? Just put your name in place of this tribe. And I want you to receive this word. The uh, meaning of the Naphtali tribe Definition means a person who struggles, a wrestler. And when you study the life of this tribe, you will find out that out of their struggles came some real strength. And out of their strength came some real leadership. And out of that came some real blessing. This is the tribe that Barak came out of. That Barak who helped Deborah with the victory. This is the tribe where Barak came out of. This is the tribe that it had said in Judges chapter 5 that they jeopardized their own life to fight the battle. They were a very special group of people. There was a smaller tribe, but they were a very special group of people. And they had gone through some struggles and some wrestling and some things in life. And this is why I want to apply it to you and I this morning. In Deuteronomy 33, 23, and Naphtali, he said, O Naphtali, satisfied with favor, full of the blessing of the Lord, possesses the west and the south. I want you to notice the key words, satisfied with favor, Full, everyone say the word full, full of the blessing of the Lord and possessing the west and the south. Naphtali brims with blessing, spills over with God's blessings as he takes possession of the sea and the southland. God's will for your life is to be blessed. God's will for your life is to be full that it would so flow over you that you would find favor. God's will for your life is probably a little different and higher than you might even see right now about your life. Because most of us have a lower standard for the blessing of the Lord that comes on us. We don't see the whole blessing. We don't really receive the whole blessing. We don't have a mindset toward the word full. We don't have a mindset toward the word favor that would brim over and have something in our life that would be so awesome that we would see the full blessing of God on our life. But that's what the book of Proverbs says. And I'm going to read you another six or seven scriptures here. And I want you to take down about having a life 
that has a full blessing of God, a balanced blessing, spirit, soul, and body. A balanced blessing is one that brings satisfaction and favor with good health. Satisfaction and favor with good health is a life that you live without regret. You don't look back with regret. You look forward with anticipation. It's a full meal deal. A life that is blessed of God. Proverbs 8 verse 32. So my dear friends, listen carefully. Those who embrace these, these would be the wisdom of God. My ways are most blessed. So there's an embracing. Proverbs 8, 32. And out of the embracing, the embracing is lady wisdom on all the laws of wisdom, the words of wisdom, the principles of wisdom. You have to commit to that. The blessing of God is not automatic. Even though salvation is when you call on Jesus, heaven is automatic. For you to be saved and have an eternal destiny is automatic. If you move in faith and do it through Christ, it's automatic. You can't earn any more salvation than what salvation is. But when it comes to walking in the blessing of the Lord, you have choices. You have embracings. You have things that you have to move into and identify with and obey. And the book of Proverbs is all about that. And so even though you can confess blessing or even desire blessing, there has to be, as it says in Proverbs 8.32, an embracing of these, these being wisdom. Proverbs 8.34. Bless the man, bless the woman who listens. Notice the words, embrace, listen to me. Awake and ready for me each morning, alert and responsive as I start my day's work. Proverbs 22, verse 4. Obey the Lord, embrace, listen, obey. Obey the Lord and be humble. Embrace, listen, obey, be humble. And you will get riches, honor, and a long life. The payoff for meekness and fear of God is plenty. And honor and a satisfying life. Proverbs 15, verse 24. The path of life leads Upward, it spirals upward for the prudent or the wise. Wise people's lives get better and better. Doesn't mean you won't have trouble, but even in trouble you have grace. Doesn't mean you won't have some things that will happen that will be a surprise that you don't want to happen, but God can still work out good. That doesn't mean that you won't embrace some trials or adversities or affliction. That doesn't take away those things. What it does say that nothing that comes into your life can beat you down, push you down, or keep you down because there's a spiral upward with wisdom and it brings you to a place of a full blessing of God. Proverbs 10, verse 6. Blessings are piled high on the head of good people. On the head of righteous people is Proverbs. Good people will have rich and abundant blessings Blessings will be your crown. I would like blessings piled high, not just on me, as you live life. You're more concerned about those coming after you than actually yourself. You're actually more concerned about your children and your children's children, realizing that life is so fast. Realizing that you have the power to pass on something much better 
than giving them just some cash or a little bit of an investment or even a house or whatever. All those things are temporary. They can lose them. They can destroy them or the world can destroy them. But there's something you can pass on to your children that is so far beyond and surpasses anything in the material realm. And it is the favor of the Lord upon their life. The blessing of God upon their life. For them to walk in that protective hedge and to experience the favor of God in a supernatural way is what we want to pass on. A blessed life to me would look like this. It is to know God and experience His love and acceptance. There's nothing greater than to experience the love and acceptance of God, which comes through forgiveness. But it's more than that. It's more than just salvation and forgiveness. You learn to love yourself. You learn to love God. Learn to accept yourself, accept life. You begin to settle into a core strength, knowing that God loves you the way you are, but loves you so much he won't leave you the way you are. Knowing that God accepts you even in your flaws and your faults, but he doesn't accept you to the point that he allows those flaws and those faults to hurt you. And so you settle into a confidence in the love of God. God loves me. God's hand is on my life. God is working everything out for me. God is shaping me the way I should be. God is developing me into the kind of person I want to be. And you have a confidence in the love and acceptance of God. Even if people disappoint you. Even if there's a lack of love in other people or in parents or church. Or even in your concept of how people should treat you. You still have a core value. Something has settled into you. God loves you. And God accepts you. And God is working on your behalf. And you're a very special person to God. Acceptance is very important in this day and age. Receiving from his hand all I need for an abundant and complete life. Overflowing with joy, joy, peace, fulfillment, and all the blessings of God. Now, in the book of Proverbs, I'm going to give you four words that describe a full, everyone say full, everyone say blessed, life. Now, say that loud a little bit more gusto with that. Say full blessed life. Full blessed life. Four words describe it in Proverbs. One, an honored life. For a person to have a full blessed life, there has to be a mark of honor on you. The honor goes two ways. What you honor, honors you. That's what. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30 says, Those who honor me, I will honor them. A full blessed life is a life that is honored, highly esteemed by God and others. Only God can honor a person. You can't honor yourself. Now, you can honor God who honors you, but you can't honor yourself. A life that is highly respected and blessed. Respect is something that God can help you have. Respect is so much deeper than just a thank you or people kind of look at your success and lust after what you have achieved. Respect is something different. Respect goes beyond the success scenario. It's how you got it. It's who you are. It's how you walk. It's what you value. It's making people stand in awe at how you suffer. Making people stand in awe in how you forgive. How when you're mistreated, what you go through. Your attitude about life. They respect you, not just because of a success scenario, but because of the way you live. You honor the principles of God, and God honors you. Proverbs 3.9, it says, honor the Lord. 
Proverbs 3.16 says, Length of days is in her right hand wisdom, and left hand is what? Honor. Proverbs 4.8, Exalt her wisdom, and she will what? Promote you, and she will bring honor into your life. Proverbs 8.18, Riches and honor are with wisdom. A person who regards a rebuke responds to it, Proverbs 13, verse 18, will be honored. Proverbs 21, 21, a person who follows righteousness will be honored. Proverbs 31 and verse 25, it says, strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. It has to do with a lifestyle choice. You don't want to be dishonorable. You don't want to be a person that God lightly esteems or can't esteem. You don't want to be a person that God says, I would love to promote them, but I can't promote what I can't bless. I can't exalt what crosses my word and my principles. I can't bless them because they're dishonorable in their private life, dishonorable with their principles. To line up with God's word, with wisdom, is to accept that he can honor you. And with honor, there comes promotion. Number two, a favored life. A life that has received the mark of God's special grace. Kindness and special advantages for true success. When God's grace comes on a life, there's advantages to it. Favor means that he gives you the edge. Favor is put upon a person that you can't put upon yourself. It's the edge that many people look for, but they can't find because that edge is invisible. It's mysterious and sometimes supernatural. There are times when God promotes and favors a person that you cannot even imagine how they got there and the journey they took. You can only see it happen and you question yourself and say, why are they so blessed? Why are they favored? Why are they promoted? Why do they have? I don't understand it. Well, you probably don't because God's hand is behind it. And when God begins to favor someone, things begin to work together. He opens and shuts doors. He protects. He favors Proverbs 3 and verse 4, it says, find favor. Proverbs 8.35 says, you can obtain favor. Proverbs 11.27 says, even those in trouble will find favor. Proverbs 12 and verse 2 says that the wicked cannot find it, but the righteous will find favor. Proverbs 13.15 says that when you have good understanding and a faithful heart, you will find favor. Proverbs 16 and verse 15 says, favor is like a cloud that comes over you and rains over your life. We have a saying about the rain. You know, when it rains, it pours. Sometimes we're talking about trouble. You know, when it rains, it pours. Then people usually use that phrase when it's about trouble in your life. Things are just breaking out everywhere. I got trouble. Well, you know, the favor of God is supposed to be that way. That you would be saying, when it rains, it pours. I just can't believe it. Everything is working out. Everything is in shape. Everything is in alignment. I just can't believe it. I turn to this way and it happens. I turn over here and this has happened. It just seems like relationally and domestically and financially and, and in my health, I, I just don't know what to say. I just feel so blessed. I'm so favored. Come on. How many of you would like the cloud of the favor of God to rain on your life and just rain on every part of your life and just pour over you? Number three, a delightful life. 
A life that has deep and lasting fulfillment, which is something our world really tries to find. Lasting fulfillment and joy. You're pleased, satisfied, and positive about life. Would you call yourself a positive person? Or have you bent toward and allowed that negative side of the world to get a hold of your mind and your tongue and your heart and your emotion so that you actually, you become a little bit more negative than you need to be. You're, you're actually declaring negative things over your life. You're actually embracing the not so good and the not so great over your life. You're actually expecting a lower standard for yourself. You're actually expecting not to hit the mark you set. You're, you're actually now in your mind expecting yourself to be a different kind of person that really is a lesser person that if you would think about it, you would accept. Would you be a person that is delighting yourself in God and He's delighting Himself in you and you have a delightful life? Proverbs chapter 19, 23 says a delightful life will have satisfaction. Are you satisfied right now? Totally satisfied? Are you totally happy? It says in Proverbs 16, 20, that those who find God and trust in him, happy is that person. Do you laugh a a lot? Do you laugh any? Do you find yourself chuckling at yourself sometimes and at, at life? Do you find yourself capable of enjoying everyday routine and even some of the ruts? To be able to laugh at a rut is a healthy thing. To be able to giggle a little bit at yourself when you make a mistake or you do something and you just say, you know, I'm just, that's, that's funny. I can't believe I did that. I need help. I do that sometimes. And if I don't do that, God has given me a helpmate to help me see it. So she can say, you need help. And I would say, I do. Like yesterday, I went and bought myself a pair of golf shoes. There's a reason why I did. When I came home, I had the golf shoes. Sharon says, why'd you buy the golf shoes? I said, well, Sharon, because you wear them when you golf. And they help your game. She goes into the garage and brings out five boxes of golf shoes. I said, where'd those come from? Because you bought them and you forgot you had them. I said, have I worn them? She says, yes, you have. And some you haven't. Here's a brand new pair of golf shoes I've never worn. Really nice shoes. And I'm thinking, am I slipping a little? And she says to me, you're slipping. You forgot, didn't you? I said, I didn't forget. I just wanted a different kind. Sometimes you just have to laugh at your flaws. And if you can't laugh yourself, call up a friend and say, I want to tell you something. I want you to laugh at it and get them to laugh with you. A happy person can see that you're not perfect, but you're on your way to becoming perfect. Here's another one. Number four, a hope-filled life. 
Okay, I'm going to be a person that has a delightful life, and I'm going to be a person that has a, a life that is filled with the blessing of God. And, you know, I, I want that full sense of God's hand on me. Here's one that's in the book of Proverbs that's very, very clear. A hope-filled life. A life filled with a dream. A desire. An expectation. A belief in the future. Say, well, that's for the young. That's not just for the young. I think it's sometimes more for people in their 40s and 50s that need to get this than people in their 20s and 30s. Because when you're 20, you can verbally talk about any dream you want because you have forever to go after it. And you may never go after it. But when you're 40 or 50, you start talking about dream a little more carefully. A little more carefully. Because you realize time is not always your friend. Time does not stop for anybody. And life is uncontrollable. You cannot control what comes your way. Proverbs 13 and verse 12. Do you recognize this scripture? Hope deferred makes a heart sick. Hope, dream, Future, expectation, desire, vision, hope. Deferred is the word delay. Delayed. Makes, there's a process going on here. Your heart, something no one else can see. The invisible part of your inner world. But it says, out of your heart flows the issues of life. It says, out of your heart, there's treasure. It says, out of your heart, you'll speak. It says, out of your heart, things grow. So there is something inside of you that is very fertile and will grow many things. Proverbs says, hope, dream, expectation, desire. Delayed can have a process that makes something inside of you sick. And then something inside of you that is sick is your heart. In the Hebrew, the word heart is the totality of your personhood, spirit, soul, and body. It's the totality of your inner world. It's mind, will, emotions. So the heart is not just one thing as in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the heart speaks of your entire invisible inner world. Your spirit, the intuition in your spirit, the communion in your spirit, the conscience in your spirit, your emotions, your will, everything that goes on inside of you that is that secret part of you that only God can unlock that actually directs the rest of your life and you do things out of your heart. And then the Bible talks about having the heart of hearts. The deeper heart is the heart within the heart. And only God can try the reins of the heart. The deeper part of what man cannot even try to understand, even though I can discern your emotion, discern your thoughts, and maybe talk to you about your spirit. I can't discern the rudder way down deep inside of you called your reins. Only God has the key to that. And it says, 
hope deferred makes something sick. I'm the doctor. You're the patient. We're examining what level of sickness might be inside of you. Translation, Proverbs 13, 12. When hope is crushed, well, I can't miss that one. I understand that. The heart is crushed. Wow. But a wish comes true. It fills your whole life with joy. How about this translation? Unrelenting disappointments makes the heart sick. But a sudden good turn and a sudden good break can turn the heart around. Unrelenting disappointments. There's not a person listening to me that does not understand some level of the word I just used, disappointment. Maybe you don't know the word crushing. Maybe you don't know the word reigns. Maybe you don't understand totally about vision and dream. And that's not really your vocabulary right now. But I guarantee you there's not a person in these rooms that would not understand the word disappointment. Why? Because life has a lot of them. Disappoint ourselves. That's a hard one. Because only you live with yourself and only you know the standard you had. Only you know what fell short. Only you know why you're so disappointed in yourself. That you should have and could have and you're so ashamed or embarrassed or just ticked off. You're just disappointed in that decision or in that act or in something that has happened. Maybe it was a long time ago or maybe it was recent. But you know what I'm talking about. You just get so disappointed. Then you beat yourself up and then the devil comes in and he beats you up too because he's the accuser of the brethren. He knows exactly how to take a vulnerable point in your life and to break it further and to make sure he can use it against you because that's what he does. Then we have disappointments in others. They should have. They never should have said that. Why did they do that? So we disappoint Ourselves, and sometimes people disappoint us, and sometimes people crush us in a relationship, in a business deal. Maybe we're disappointed sometimes toward God. Why didn't you protect me? Why didn't you cover me on this one? Where were you when this happened, God? Why did you let this go this far? Why didn't you tell me? So we get disappointed in God sometimes. We don't say it, but we think it. We feel it. We know it. But you get disappointed. Then we get disappointed in life. It's not fair. Why me? Doesn't add up. I don't deserve this. I deserve better. God, look at all that has happened and now you're going to let this Disappointment. We've had a few. You've had a few. We've all had a few. One of our great disappointments was 
in our raising of a family for Sharon to have children was a great disappointment because she couldn't have children for the first 12 years. All of our friends were having kids. Everybody else was having kids. We weren't having kids. It was a horrible disappointment in my wife, more in her than me, but it began to get to me after a while. And then through the medicals and the doctors and the appointments and all the stuff we went through and nothing ever happened, nothing ever came of it. It was always a negative and it was always, it's not going to work and this is not going to change and this is your lot in life. And it was just a, it was a disappointment. Then my wife going through the emotion of that, me trying to encourage her, then I would get irritated with her, irritated with me, irritated with God. Then she would say things to me like, you're a man of God, why can't you change this? I can't change it. Why are you asking me to be God? I can't be God. But you're a man of God. Fast and pray. I have fasted and prayed. Well, fast some more. Okay. And then nothing changes. Then we had people come along prophesy over us. This time next year, you'll be holding a child on your arms and you'll be so blessed. That time next year came and went and there was no child. So then you start resisting people that want to help your heart. Frank, you got to believe. But I don't want to believe. Why? Because there's a nasty little thing that happens with disappointment. We learn to protect ourselves by not allowing ourselves to expect anything. So we begin to diminish expectation because we know that if I start getting my emotion up that I might marry that guy or have that child or get that job or reconcile with that person or maybe have a better relationship with my father or something else, everything will fall apart and I'll be so devastated so I'm not going to set myself up for a devastation. I am going to protect my heart. It's sick already and I don't want to be any sicker. So then we start building a hedge around this thing called expectation and vision and disappointment. And people call and pray and at the altar and if you've suffered from some kind of a disease or if you have a child. I had a mother one time say to me, please do not allow the elders to pray for my children anymore, especially for this child who has this problem, had a disease. She says, I cannot handle it one more time. That's a, that's a funny thing to say when you have a a child with a disease that's life-threatening and everyone wants to pray. Everybody wants to carry the burden. Everybody wants to be involved. But your heart's getting sicker because the more they pray, you expect something, then someone slips you a scripture or maybe kind of a prophetic thought and you want to grab onto it, but you've grabbed onto a hundred of them for the last three years and nothing has happened. And so you're so sick inside, sick of the disappointment that you say, look, I just don't want anyone to say anything else to me. I just want to go through it, but I don't know how to handle this disappointment. Let me help you for a second. When I look back at our disappointment, and it was a grueling 12 years, but it was very, very good for me. It was very good for Shannon. Would I recommend it? Write out the recipe? No. Would I try to get around it now as I look back? No. Would I embrace it better next time? I hope so. But when I look at that disappointment, the thing that scares me is this. Out of that disappointment, I want this child to come through our bodies this way and I want it at this time. Oh God, it's not going to happen. 
then you change your mind because it's not fair because we are great parents and we deserve to have children as part of the covenant. God says, I know it is, Frank, but I'm going to do something a little different with you. I don't like different. I like it the way I want it. Do something different with someone else. They deserve different. I deserve normal. Out of our disappointment came two children that would have never been in our lives. Two adopted daughters that would have never landed in our home, would have never landed in our heart, would have never been raised by Frank and Sharon. If I could have just told God, get your hands off of this, Nicole DiMazio and Bethany DiMazio would have never been part of our life. We would have had our natural family and gone on. We would have never, ever thought about what we needed to do to go through an adoption and especially to go clear to Guatemala and pick up a baby and come back and go through that. And also the first baby dies in Guatemala. We have to go there. I mean, I would have never gone through it. But now as I look back through the quarter of time, it scares me to think if God would have listened to my selfish little protection and said, I can't handle this. I don't want to handle this. I don't like disappointments. I want my time. And Lord, you've got to get your hands off of this. This is the way I want. And God says, Frank, you'll love this when it's finished. I don't know about being finished. I just know I want to. I had to back off and say, Lord, maybe there's something bigger going on here. Said to Sharon, you know, we want children, don't we? Yes. So let's get a child. Let's help someone else during our time. She goes, yes, let's do it. And fell together. Now, I know my children might even be listening on the other campuses right now. And I never really talk about their adoption because it's, it's a funny thing for me to share. And you will go 10 years at our church and never hear me tell these stories. But as I look back now, those girls are the joy of my life. They are a big part of everything I do. I talk to them every single day of my life. We text, we email, we barbecue, we're involved with each other's life. They are a joy and a crown to me in every way. If I try to separate them out of my life, oh my goodness, what a bummer. What a bad decision. Sometimes disappointments give you things that you can't get by yourself. They supply things into your life that are surprise set up for what will prepare you for that thing that God is bringing your way. Let me read a poem. This poem can be applied to three kinds of people. Which one are you? Those who dream boldly, even in the time where you realize probably you won't see every dream fulfilled. I have a lot of dreams. Some of them won't happen. I won't live long enough. But I've dreamt boldly and broadly because I would rather dream boldly and broadly and be left on the table with some things even though they're not realized. Second kind of person are those who dream modestly and fear that even the modest dream might not happen. But they choose to 
protect that disappointment level. And then you have those who are afraid to dream at all. Why? Lest they be disappointed. Here's the poem for you. And I want you to write down a word. Change the D of disappointment. Just write the word disappointment. And this change one letter. Change the D to an H. That's all. Turn disappointment into his appointment. Changes the whole word. Why? Because disappointments in a Christian's life is his appointments for life. He works through them. He uses them. He puts the pieces together. Disappointment, his appointment. Change one letter, then I see that the torture of my purpose is God's better choice for me. I have to believe this. His appointment must be blessing, though it may come in disguise. Most of the time it does. For the end from the beginning, open to his wisdom lie. Disappointment, his appointment. Whose? The Lord who loves me best, understands and knows me fully. Who my faith and love would test. For like loving earthly parent, he rejoices when he knows that his child accepts unquestioned all that from his wisdom flows. Disappointment, his appointment. No good will he withhold. From denials oft we gather treasures of his love unfold. Well, he knows each broken purpose leads to fuller, deeper trust. And the end of all his dealings Proves our God is wise and just. Disappointment, his appointment. Lord, I take it then as such. Like clay in the hand of the potter. Yielding wholly to thy touch. My life's plan is thy molding. No one single choice be mine. Let me answer unrepining. Father, not thy will. But thine. Sound familiar? Even Jesus, the Son of God. Father, not my will, but thine. Let this cup pass. I don't want this cup. But, you know, not my will, but thine. Bow your head. Let's take it to the throne of God right now. If you are suffering from any realm of disappointment that has robbed you from expectation and you have yielded to that protection program that cancels out some great things that you should be seeing for your life. In your marriage, in your children, in your job, in your future, in your health. Say, Frank, I've suffered from some blows of disappointment. And through this word, I want my spirit restored I want to see differently. I want to live differently. And I want to see these as his appointments. Almighty God, there's no mistakes in your hand. Lord, you don't deal from the bottom of the deck. Lord, you don't throw curves just to laugh. Lord, you do not test us and chuckle in the heavens at what happens. 
It's all ordained by your love and your justness and your perfectness. Lord, you love us with an everlasting love. And Lord, every disappointment can become your appointment. And God, I I shed the guilt. I put away the questionings. I bring to my heart a new realization of your sovereignty and your working and your dealing. And I yield up all these disappointments into your hands. 